With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Gentlemen, boys, and girls, our very good friends, welcome, welcome, welcome right back to the Hokey Hangover Podcast. It may seem like you were just here because hopefully you were. It's our second night in as many nights recording real late here, but it's only because this week in Hokey football, boy, oh boy, is there a lot to talk about. I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg, joined alongside of me from Columbus, Ohio, maybe, Mike McDaniel. Hanging in there, still in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, a beautiful, I guess, Thursday morning here, 1248 a.m. Eastern Time. We are recording late at night here for the second night in a row, like you mentioned, Andrew. Ricky, how are you holding up? Dude, this is the grind, man. Like, this is the second night in a row where I'm making myself absolutely miserable by talking about a football program that is just disappointing in every way, but... At least now we can maybe talk more about X's and O's and, and less about, you know, resources of the program and all these different sorts of things. So maybe this discussion will be a bit more fun than last night and for everyone's sake, maybe a bit abbreviated compared to last night. Yeah, no, don't worry, folks. This one should hopefully be a lot quicker. Obviously, you'll be able to see the final time of this. So you can. But let's be honest, given us three, we could probably go on for an hour about Miami's scheme or inability to beat Central Michigan or whatever. I don't know. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how this we'll goes. Get, we'll, we'll get into all of it, but good segue there, Ricky. Yep, the, the Hokies are going to South Beach. Well, Coral Gables, Florida, more specifically, Hard Rock Stadium, 3.30 on national television. That'll be ESPN. Virginia Tech, 2-2 two and two on the year. Miami, 2-2 two and two as well. Uh, the, the Hurricanes, who were considered to be – I don't want to say national championship contenders, but certainly ACC Coastal Division Championship, not the favorites, but they were picked second in the division. They have already dropped a conference game to North Carolina. They dropped their season opener to Florida. They had a scare against Central Michigan. The Hokies and Miami, obviously a pretty pretty solid rivalry, but the last five years of the rivalry, the games haven't been good, and the series has been long lopsided. The series has been lopsided. All the games decided by more than a touchdown, a lot of blowouts, and the Hurricanes have taken four of the last five. Mike, the big question going into the year for Miami was at quarterback. A lot of people considered Tate Martell to be the favorite as the transfer from Ohio State. He transferred once Justin Fields came in. Nikosi Perry, a guy who got significant playing time last year, they ultimately went with Jaron Williams, the true freshman who has started all four games for them. 
Two and two on the season, but very good stats for Jaron Williams. Do you think Manny Diaz, Miami, and that Hurricane fan base are regretting the choice to go with Jaron Williams here to start the season? No, not at all. He's been very good. He hasn't turned the football over yet through the air. Um, you know, Miami's quarterback room has had a tendency to throw the football to the other team over the last couple of years, and they didn't do that thus far this year. And Miami's offense, we presumed would be better for it, but they've had trouble running the football. The offensive line still hasn't been very good. Uh, I like Miami on the defensive side of the football a lot more than I like their offense. Uh, but I think there's opportunities here in this football game for a Virginia Tech defense that has struggled to rush the passer this year to potentially get right here. Um, Miami's offensive line, specifically against the pass rush, has not looked all that good. Um, Virginia Tech's passing passing defense has been okay in spots, but they've also struggled in spots. I think this is an opportunity to get the pass rush going here. Uh, in this game on Saturday afternoon and, you know, potentially wreak havoc on a backfield that, you know, hasn't been able to run the ball all that well. And, you know, if you can make a freshman a little bit uncomfortable, maybe you're able to turn him over a couple times and keep this thing close. Ricky, obviously Manny Diaz, a first year head coach at Miami following the retirement of Mark Richt at the end of last season. They brought in Diaz, who, you know, an internal guy who had already taken the job for Temple, so he was there for about a week and a half before coming back to Miami. For a Blue Blood program, hiring from the interior, a questionable move. At 2-2, two and two, where do you think this Miami fan base is? And in the event that Virginia Tech were to pull an upset, do you think that would be a little hot seat for Manny Diaz there in Miami? I think it would have to be. I mean, look, Manny Diaz, just a couple days ago, and we talked about this last night, Manny Diaz called his own team diseased. Anytime that you're willing to go public and call your own team diseased, number one, you've got some serious balls. So so good job on you, Manny Diaz. Number two, it's an admission of guilt, really, the fact that the team that you're presiding over, it, you, you view so negatively. So Obviously, there is something going on here in Miami, and I know that they haven't had the start the season that they would have liked. Um, I don't think it really anyone is surprised that they lost to Florida. Everyone was shocked that they lost to Carolina, and everyone was shocked that they almost lost to the Khalil Pimpleton-led Central Michigan. Is that the Chippewas? Is that what they are? Can, yep. can somebody – okay, I want to make sure. Yeah, well, sh nobody cares. Hey, Currently. Khalil Pimpleton is the most important thing at Central Michigan right now, and that's all that matters. But no, Tech Tech is a bad team, and, and if, if Manny Diaz were to drop a game to Virginia Tech at home, given all the things that are going on in Blacksburg at the moment, it would definitely be, I guess, one nail in a coffin that is going to have a lot of nails in it. Um, I don't think Miami is going to consider moving on from Manny Diaz after one year, but it would certainly be a troubling sign if they were to fall in this game. Mike, on defense for Miami, a lot of veterans on that side of the ball, a ton of seniors, a ton of seniors who have been starting since they were freshmen or sophomores down there in South Beach. Uh, a new defensive scheme for them, obviously the one name that will stick out the most Hokie fans is Trayvon Hill. He actually doesn't even start at Miami. In, for all the problems Miami has had offensively, like you said, stemming from that offensive line, this defense has been real solid this year and is arguably, outside of Clemson, perhaps the best defensive unit in the ACC. Am I right? Yeah, you are right. I mean, Miami's defense has been good now for quite some time. I mean, 
we're a couple of years removed now from the turnover chain Miami defense, and they've still been able to progress forward. They didn't produce quite as many turnovers last year as they did in 2017 when they became known for the turnover chain, but they were still a very solid unit. Uh, they're particularly good in the back end of their secondary. The, the secondary is the strength of that defense. You know, you mentioned the pass rush, and you mentioned Trayvon Hill and the fact that he doesn't start. Even though he doesn't start, he plays a good bit still. You know, Miami has a lot of strong depth on that defensive line and in that front seven. So there's really not a ton of, like, weak links on that defense specifically. Um, they've been able to produce at all three levels of this defense. And it's going to be a stout test for Virginia Tech offensively here on Saturday afternoon. Ricky, I know we just talked about the problems that Miami has had, obviously, with the surprising loss to North Carolina. Has your stock risen or dropped on them in terms of their ACC Coastal final finish between the beginning of the season and now? Uh, I, I mean, it, it's kind of stayed the same, just given the fact that the rest of the division is, is so all over the place. Um, we've had a team like Virginia Tech who – was considered, I guess, at least to be a, a dark horse to win the Coastal, given how bad the division was. Tech, obviously, is not going to win the Coastal at this point. Virginia, the presumed favorite, the the team that the media picked to win this game. Virginia's been a bit all over the place. Uh, and even though the record looks good, um, I think Virginia's been exposed in a couple areas that, that people are overlooking in terms of the national media. So, I think Miami still has a really good shot to win this division, uh, obviously given how wide open it is. But um, a loss to Virginia Tech would definitely just about seal up the, the, the division. Um, in terms of Miami not winning it, I don't think they would have any shot if they go 0-2, and, and that includes a home loss against the Hokies, who are more than reeling right now. Uh for both of you, I just want to talk a little bit about the culture of Miami. It seems like every year the Canes are supposed to be back, and it seems like year in and year out they manage to disappoint. What has gone wrong with this Miami program, and can you draw parallels to what might be happening at Virginia Tech right now? No. I mean, it's Miami has been a program and you know that's struggled, but it's all relative, right? I mean, they've struggled because they have – top-tier talent that hasn't been producing at a very high level. Virginia Tech doesn't have nearly the type of top-end talent that Miami has. They may have it with a position group here or there and maybe a handful of players on the roster, but Miami's got players all over the field and athletes that Virginia Tech, quite honestly, doesn't have. Um, Miami's in a position right now where there's a lot expected of them because of where they're located and the athletes that they've recruited. Manny Diaz slides in here in year one and the offense – hasn't looked quite as good as a lot of people expected it to. Um, you know, a lot of people, myself included, thought if Miami was able to find a quarterback, this was far and away the best team in the Coastal. Well, they seem to have found a quarterback, and it seems like the team is still struggling at the same level it has in recent years. And it's one of those things where the offensive line is still a, a considerable work in progress and the running game hasn't really been all that good. So even though Jaron Williams, a quarterback has been an upgrade for Miami under center, they've taken steps back in other areas of the offense. I think that's really what's holding them back because I'm really impressed with their defense. I, I think they have one of the better defenses in the conference. <coughs> Ricky, would you chalk it up to essentially Miami's poor reputation being a, a product of the burden of high expectations? 
That's part of it. I mean, Miami definitely has high expectations, and, and some of that's because the national media, I think many of many people in the national media long for the days that Miami was relevant on the national stage. And I also think part of it's that Miami brings a lot of the attention on themselves. I mean, that they, they're very unapologetic about who they are, um, and that's just kind of the culture there, and it's been the culture there for 20-plus years now. It, it's the you. It's the you for a reason. Um, so yeah, Miami has definitely fell short of expectations, uh, and they've underachieved so often. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why so many people point to the culture in Coral Gables, because something just isn't right there. The fact that they, they recruit usually in the top 15, almost every single season, they pull all these studs out of, out of central and South Florida. They really don't even have to leave the state to, to fill out their roster. If we're being honest given how great the state of Florida is in terms of high school football. And yet year after year, they perennially disappoint. And a lot of it goes to coaching. A lot of it goes to culture. Uh, and maybe some of it goes to player development, which is something that we've questioned in, in, in Blacksburg. So um, Miami obviously is is by miles the most talented team in this division. Uh, but they just don't put it together every year for one reason or another. And the fact that they have Jaron Williams, who has played well, and they have DJ Dallas, who is one of the better and more explosive running backs in the ACC, and they haven't been able to put together a top 50 offense against a weak schedule thus far outside of Florida, that's pretty damning. And I, I think it goes to the fact that Manny Diaz, while he is able to put together d good defenses, I don't know if he knows what he's doing offensively. Now let's talk about how Tech stacks up against Miami uh with Tech on the defensive side of the ball, because obviously it seems pretty apparent that the Miami defensive group is far and away more talented than the Tech offensive group. I mean, Miami is a top 20 defense in the country right now, and Tech is barely scratching the surface of being a top 75 offense in all of major college football. Tech, uh, I mean, Miami very young on that offensive line, and I guess that's, something that you could chalk up to being their, their primary weakness. Mike, how could Bud Foster and the Hokies defense try to expose Miami? Because it seems that in order for Tech to win, they're going to have to force a lot of turnovers and give that offense short field position because, quite frankly, it looks like they're going to be on the on the field a lot defensively. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, Virginia Tech's defense is going to have to stand the test of the Miami offense. And you know, Ricky mentioned DJ Dallas and how explosive he is, and he's 100% right. You know, we talk about Jaron Williams, we talk about DJ Dallas, we talk about some of the playmakers that Miami has, and it's still just totally strange to me that Miami can barely scratch the surface as a top 50 offense nationally, given the talent they have on that side of the football. Virginia Tech, the key to this game, and, you know, I brought this up when we were talking about the Duke recap, and we were talking about you know, what Virginia Tech needs to do better holistically on the defensive side of the football to become a more consistent unit. And in my opinion, it starts with the linebacker play. We talked about Dax Hollyfield and how he struggled. I think you have Rayshard Ashby, you have Alan Tisdale maybe on the field a little bit more considering how he's played in limited snaps. I, I think you just go with the production that you've seen out of Alan Tisdale, make, a, you know, semi-wholesale changes in the linebacker core. And, you know, get Tisdale a few more opportunities because as good as Dax Hollyfield was a year ago for the Hokies, he struggled with gap integrity this year. He's having trouble just focusing on the fundamentals here. 
on the defensive side of the football. And it's really hurt the Hokies when, you know, running backs specifically have gotten to the second level of the defense and killed them in the game against Duke. So when you look at this Miami game, I think Virginia Tech's linebackers need to play a lot better. I think the defensive line is steadily getting a little bit better each and every week. I think you just have to play complimentary football. And it's going to be tough for the offense to score on Miami's defense. There's no doubt about that. But I think that Virginia Tech's defense has a chance to have success against this Miami offense because as explosive as it is, you know, the offensive line really has not been good in pass protection. And when you look at, you know, DJ Dallas and his ability to run the football, he hasn't really been all that consistent because of that offensive line. So, you know, Miami is having very similar issues to Virginia Tech offensively. It's just on a little bit of a smaller scale because of the athletes that Miami has versus Virginia Tech in regards to the offensive side of the football. So, you know, I think it comes down to fundamentals in that second level of the defense for Virginia Tech. I trust the secondary to play well. You know, they've played okay overall in spurts throughout this season. But the key to this game, in my opinion, is the linebackers and whether or not they can, A, get enough pressure when Bud Foster sends them on a blitz and, B, can they stay home and make sure they wrap up and tackle if DJ Dallas gets to the second level, which he inevitably will because he's a good running back. Yeah, Ricky, we touched on it a little bit yesterday. Obviously, we almost didn't review the game from an Exodo standpoint as much as we could have, just given the overarching questions that became the center of our last episode of the podcast. There were some bright spots on defense, Taiwan Garbit uh, and Deshaun Crawford specifically, but ultimately – we saw a very good defensive performance from Tech in the first quarter, holding Duke to only 24 yards of offense. But after that first touchdown that came off of the, the turnover, it seemed like Tech's defense just completely deflated. How, how do you stop that from happening? What has to happen from a leadership standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, to get this defense to play four quarters of football? In any situation where you have a big momentum change like that, you need someone who you can rely on to make a play. Right now, Virginia Tech's defense, at least from what we've seen so far, doesn't have that guy right now. They don't have that defensive end or that defensive tackle that's going to blow up a run play for a five-yard loss. They don't have a linebacker that's going to be able to to make a big tackle in the open field on third down. They don't have a defensive back that's going to be able to pick a pass off or make that big play and break up a pass on a third down. They, they just don't have guys. And it seems like you've got 11 guys out there on the field waiting for someone else to make the play instead of them attacking success and trying to find a way to get the play done themselves. So Bud Foster's got to kick these guys in the ass and, and, and get them to understand that just because you have one turnover on the offense doesn't mean that all is lost. I mean, hell, Bud Foster – had a lot of those situations in year one of Justin Fuente's tenure, especially early on in the season where Tech was turning the ball over like it was going out of style. And now you have an offense that's doing the same thing. Uh, Bud Foster needs to get these guys together. He's got to get these guys to to mature and grow up. And yes, I know a lot of them are young and inexperienced, but th- th- they're starting to get to a point where they aren't rookies anymore. They've got a few games under their belt. They're going to have to start playing a bit above their level. Mike, uh, in the press conference on Tuesday, Caleb Farley said that 
um, this week's practices has been the most competitive practices of the year so far for Tech. A lot of people, a lot of the talking heads on Twitter wanted to point that out and say, why weren't the uh, practices competitive before? Do you think there's something to be said for that argument, or do you think this is just classic, you know, college football press conference pros? I think it's college, it's classic college football press conference pros. Man, that was a mouthful. Um, people are just people are mad right now in the Virginia Tech fan base, and I think they're just trying to find things to be outraged about. They're nitpicking press conference lines and everything else. I. Justin Fuente has never given much to the media. People are mad at him. People are mad at Caleb Farley saying, oh, it's been really competitive at practice this week. Well, of course it has been. And if you don't think it's been competitive before, like get the hell out of here. You know it's been competitive before. The team's not playing well right now. Caleb Farley comes out and says that because he wants the media to know that the team is trying to take measures to ensure that a game like that Duke loss doesn't happen again. That's all that this is. Don't make it more than it is. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know what, Virginia Tech obviously has a lot to prove on both sides of the football, given the embarrassment uh, that, that was that Duke loss and the fact that the program has bottomed out a little bit. And that was the worst loss in program history since 1974. So it's one of those things where Virginia Tech knows they have a lot to improve on and they have a lot to prove to a lot of people. And quite frankly, they have a lot to prove to themselves, right? Because they haven't been able to put it together for all four quarters yet this year. And I think this game against Miami provides them a potential opportunity to do so in a big bounce back spot against a team that has their own flaws, right? So, you know, a lot of people are writing off Virginia Tech in this football game against Miami, but Miami's got just as many flaws as Virginia Tech. It's just maybe on a little bit of a lesser scale, just given the athletes they have on both sides of the football. But Miami is not without issues of their own. And I think Virginia Tech, if they came out and, you know, were able to play complementary football on both sides of the ball for four quarters, which is a lot to ask given what we've seen so far. I, I get that wholeheartedly. But if Virginia Tech does that, I think they will put themselves in position to win this football game on the road. The Well, I was going to say that the thing that frustrates me on Twitter is how is it a negative that Caleb Farley said that? Either right. A, either A is telling the truth and good – Tech needs to have maybe a bit more competitive practices after what we saw against Duke. Or B, he's lying and it's college football press conference pros. Andrew, that was a great line. You need to you need to copyright that thing right now. Yeah. Uh, if he is lying, then you know he's he's trying to he's at least trying to save face with the media. He's trying to present a unified front for the team. I don't know why tech fan or some, let's be honest, it's only a few Twitter trolls, but I don't yeah. understand why these people are getting so up in arms about it. Oh, you, you know, you need to have practices competitive all the time. Well, you know what? When you lose by 35, things need to turn up a notch because the, whatever level it is that you're at right now is obviously not getting the job done. So maybe people do need to be a little pissed off in practice. And you know what? Well, let's hope that's the case. Let's hope that practice is a little a little wiry right now and people are a little on edge and let's hope that practice was, was a little, I don't know, maybe a little bit chippy. Yeah. I mean, for Christ's sake, people want to make it out there. People want to come to these crazy assumptions and obviously the mood on the field, the mood on the sideline, the, just the, the way the team has been playing obviously hasn't reflected the unified front that tech. So, 
pushed throughout the offseason, whether it be through traditional media or their own social media. But just because the team isn't good, people want to just jump to these conclusions that everyone hates each other and everyone's willing to jump ship right now. No, these are college kids. I assume that while there are people within the program that are probably getting fed up with it, maybe some people that are losing faith in Fuente, you know, especially those who, if you're a white, yes, you, Ricky, I'm talking about the guys on the team. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> for those for those who are listening, I, I just had to raise my hand there because, yes, I'm one of those people. But go ahead. At the end of the day, these are college kids. They want to succeed more than anybody else. And, you know, it, it, it's probably tough for them. But good for Caleb Farley. Especially Whether for someone like Caleb Farley who's been through what he's been through. Let, I mean, let's be honest here. Caleb Farley isn't someone who has faced – or this is not his toughest test in life. The guy blew out his knee not too long ago. He's had the, the health issues with his family. This guy's been through hell and back. So I, I think Caleb Farley has probably got the better perspective of it throughout maybe the entire team. And you could throw Jeremy Webb into that mix too for someone who's blown out his Achilles twice in two years. Well, and for a young team with, you know, quite frankly, a lack of senior leadership numbers-wise at a minimum – it's good to have guys in that room that can put things into a bigger perspective. But let's move on to the offensive side of the ball for Tech. Obviously, the big looming question is who's going to play quarterback. Right now, you have a quarterback in Ryan Willis who, by all indications, is not at 100%. A guy whose talent lies within his arm strength and an injury in that arm that is so strong. You have a backup quarterback in Hendon Hooker that – the reports on the ground are saying has an injury, a very serious injury in his non-throwing arm that may require surgery at the end of the season. A guy who you're going to rely on, assuming that you put him in to run the ball a lot, a guy who's not proven as a passer. And then a third string quarterback in Quincy Patterson that's not really proven at all. Let's play a classic game, boys. What will happen? What should happen with Tech's starting quarterback position for this game against Miami on Saturday? Yeah, what will happen is Hendon Hooker will be the starting quarterback. What should happen is Quincy Patterson should be the starting quarterback. And we outlined this on the recap. The reason why I think Quincy Patterson should be the starting quarterback on Saturday against Miami is because I don't think either one of the other two quarterbacks are truly all that healthy. And, you know, I I think we're being sold a false bill of goods by Justin Fuente and this coaching staff right now in regards to the health of the players on the roster, specifically in the quarterback room. If Ryan Willis and Hedden Hooker are as injured as reported, they shouldn't be playing, right? Because I think it only hurts the team and it really hurts them. It hurts Willis and it hurts Hooker. It puts them in a tough position as well to receive the backlash from the fan base if they go out, they don't play all that great regardless of whether they're injured or not. Um, It's one of those situations where they're put in a pretty tough spot by Fuente and this coaching staff if they're thrown out there when they're not 100%. I I quite honestly don't really care if Quincy Patterson is ready or not. If he's the most healthy quarterback on the roster and he's a guy who's now in his second year in the program as a redshirt freshman who's burning eligibility anyway, you may as well see what you got. Um, And I think he should get a more significant role at the quarterback position. But then again, if Hendon Hooker or Ryan Willis, if either one of them are more healthy maybe than reports have indicated, I I think it'll certainly be one of the two of them at quarterback. But 
you know, I think Hendon Hooker will play a significant role if healthy, because I think that Virginia Tech's coaching staff acknowledges that they absolutely need to make a change in that quarterback room, just given the inconsistency by Ryan Willis. The play hasn't been up to par, whether he's been injured or not. So it's worth a shot here now at two and two coming off of the worst loss since 1974 at home. Uh, last week against Duke, I think it's worth just giving Hendon Hooker a shot. But, you know, getting Quincy Patterson a little bit more playing time wouldn't hurt either. Just see what you got and kind of roll the dice. And it all depends on the health of these players at the end of the day, which that coaching staff knows better than anybody. Ricky, wouldn't you say there's an argument to be made for if you're Justin Fuente and you're at 2-2 two and two and you're receiving more backlash than a Virginia Tech coach has received in – you know, more than two decades, maybe since Beamer was like two and eight that one year in the early 90s, I believe it was 1992. You don't really have the luxury of necessarily playing the long game. Don't you want to put in the quarterback that you believe gives you the best chance to win? Well, obviously, but I'm not sure that that coaching staff knows who that guy is right now. And Mike, I want to ask you, did you say that you think Hooker will start this game? I do. Yeah, I think Hooker will start, which is which says a lot because I mean, I was I was riding with the Ryan Willis train and until the train broke down. But I, I think the train the didn't just now. break down. The train done derailed and fell off the mountain, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it got real. It got real bad. And I just don't think I, I think he's the least healthy out of everybody. Right. And he wasn't playing well. He wasn't playing well even when he was healthy, so I, I think this has to move to Hooker if you're that's Justin what, Fuente and Brad Cornelson. That's why guys like Norm Wood scoff when they see Virginia Tech social media posting that Ryan Willis is on the Maxwell Award watch list. Like, what's that worth? <laughs> well, everyone knows that watch list season is the worst season of college football. Uh, I, I actually think that Willis will start this game. I, I think Fuente is going to ride or die with his guy. Um, and, and they're obviously, I mean, who knows, we could hear something more about injuries uh, through the grapevine. And if so, then I'll change, I'll change my prediction, but I think Willis will start this game and I'm with Mike. I think Quincy Patterson should start this game. I know it's at Miami first, first start. I know he's going up against a good defense and that's not ideal, but at this point, if both quarterbacks are as injured as, as we've seen and as we've read, um, and what seems to be the case uh, both of those guys are pretty banged up, and it, it's you're not going to get the best performance out of either of those guys. And I don't know, or I don't really care how undeveloped Quincy Patterson is. I'm pretty sure that Quincy Patterson's 100% is better than Ryan Willis's 60% or Hendon Hooker's 60 to 70%. Uh, and if it isn't, well, sorry, Justin, you recruited this guy. He's been in your program for two years. It's time. It's it's time to cut him loose and let him go. Yeah, I mean, for me, it kind of depends on how do you view this season. If you want to throw away this season, then, yeah, go ahead and start Quincy Patterson. But the thing is, I'm putting my trust in this coaching staff that for whatever reason, and it may be to their own fault, like you said, Ricky, that this guy isn't developed. But if they truly believe that their two injured quarterbacks put them in a much better position to win, so much so that they're willing to risk the future, right? Like, because – for all we know, they could throw, go, and I believe they will, by the way, throw Hendon Hooker out there. Uh, and he could further injure his non-throwing arm to the point where he's not able to play all season. But it seems as if right now that they're willing, they're more willing to take that bet and take that risk than risk putting Quincy Patterson out in the field and 
risk more so than anything having to put make him put the ball in the air for me there's been no indication that that's what happened my boots on the ground tell me that Quincy Patterson it's not just rumblings it's not just the coaching staff being weird that he is not ready just yet so I think I guess Hendon Hooker will start and at this point Hendon Hooker should start if you're if you're Justin Fuente, I think you can actually make a, a, a decent public argument that starting Quincy Patterson would not mean you're punting on the season. This Virginia Tech offense has been absolutely dreadful through the first four games, and if you start Quincy, you're you're no doubt going to be tailor, tailoring the offense around his skill set as limited as it may be right now in his in his development track. So, I think Justin Fuente could legitimately go out there and say, "Hey, look." We all know the offense has been bad. We needed to change something up because what we're doing right now isn't working. You add a guy in who's a threat to run the ball every time he gets the ball in his hands, and maybe you're able to throw a few passes in between. Again, it's not an ideal proposition. You don't want to rush Quincy Patterson out there on the field. But if you've got Ryan Willis, who is as injured as we think, and Hendon Hooker, who's as injured as we think, I think it's actually somewhat negligent to go out there and start either one of those guys and play them if they're as hurt as we think they are. I just think that given the strength of this Miami defense, it would be a tough spot to put a guy like Quincy Patterson that they're not even willing to let throw the ball against Old Dominion. That's, that's and, and you're right. It would. It, I, it is, I, I, I is a bad, it's a bad position right. to put Quincy in. You're not wrong. But it, yeah. it, given, given what they're dealing with right now, I don't know that there's a better option. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I definitely see the merit to your argument. There's, It's one of those things where there really is no right answer between starting your third yeah. string quarterback or your injured versus second strings quarterbacks that we're struggling to begin with. Uh, but speaking of changing things that have not been working, Tech's offensive scheme. Uh, obviously, Coach Fuente said he will not be calling the plays. There will be, it will still be Brad Cornelison in control of that. Do you guys envision against this Miami defense any significant changes in scheme versus what we've seen over the first four weeks that's obviously been more than questionable at best? No, I, I don't. And I number one, I think that Justin Fuente is riding this out with Brad Cornelson, number one, because he has to. It's going to be tough to make a change right now given where they're at in, in the season. I think that if they're going to make a change in play calling or schematics or anything of that nature outside of the week-to-week game plan where you know, you're know you trying to adjust to the opponent you're playing, anything major schematically that will change will happen when they have a little bit more time to prepare, like during the bye week between North Carolina and Notre Dame at the end of October before that first weekend November game in South Bend. I've long maintained that. So I don't think there's going to be a huge difference in scheme. I think if you do see Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson, I do think you'll see more read option. Um, and, and I think it'll be run a bit more successfully, just given the fact that Ryan Wells is not the runner that either Hendon Hooker or Quincy Patterson are. But at the same time, I'm not really sure the offense really has all that much more success one way or another, um, You know, whether it's Willis or Patterson or Hooker, whoever it is at quarterback. It's just – they're having trouble throwing the ball right now. And, you know, the strength of this offense is in the passing game with the receivers that they have. And they're just having trouble getting those playmakers to football right now. And you remove a guy like Trey Turner from the fold who doesn't look like he's going to play. He's really banged up right now. Damon Hazleton's back in the fold, which I guess is, is pretty helpful uh, just given his stature and how well he played for the Hokies last year. But 
I don't expect a major scheme change heading into the Miami game. I, I think if there's going to be a major scheme change, it's going to take a little bit while for that to occur. Yeah, Ricky, what are your thoughts? I agree. I don't I think Peck is going to do anything drastic in this uh, in this game against Miami. I would like to see them take advantage more of the screen game against this kind of pass rush. I think that that would be beneficial, particularly uh, since you've got a quarterback that is, is really struggling right now, and you need to slow that, off, that, that pass rush down. It doesn't matter who is in the game, whether it's Ryan Willis, uh, Quincy Patterson, or Hendon Hooker. You need to be able to slow down that pass rush if we're going to want to move the football. And with that injured offensive line that we're also dealing with, and a lot of fans are overlooking that right now, there's a lot of injuries on that front. Virginia Tech needs to find a way to get this pass rush at least somewhat contained and try to neutralize them a little bit. And something that you can do that could be beneficial is getting guys involved in the screen game, guys like Tavion Robinson, guys like if he's able to play Trey Turner, even Damon Hazleton might be able to make it work. Hezekiah Grimsley can do this kind of stuff. You need to get the ball in your hands of your playmakers. And this would kind of go to what we've been saying for several weeks now, which is Tech needs to kind of deploy some more air raid philosophies in their offense just to, A, slow down the pass rush, but, B, take advantage of your strengths. Tech's strengths right now is at receiver, even if Trey Turner's off the field, and not throwing them the ball as many times as possible, especially given the fact that you're really dreadful running the football. That's just bad offensive philosophy. Now, I'm not a, a quarterback coach or an offensive coordinator, um, but I'd like to think that I know, you know, that, that that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, and I kind of agree with Mike on that, that unfortunately coming off of the Duke game, it's just not enough time that you can envision any serious changes. But, I mean, what worries me is that, I mean, basically it'll be a continuation of what we've seen all season. In yeah, the- it's going to be a lot like what we've seen thus far. Yeah, I mean – your strength is a wide receiver, and with a hurt Willis or unproven passers, neither Hooker or Patterson, against the Miami defense, I just really don't see them having that much success pushing the ball downfield. You do have, I guess, a little bit of momentum in the running game. Deshaun McLeese went for over 100 yards last week. Two weeks ago, it was Keyshawn King. Caleb Stewart got into the mix a little bit. Do you guys expect to see him – as kind of a third running back to spell off the the other two, or is that kind of just a one-time thing that happened in a blowout? No, I mean, I think Stewart's going to play here and there, but I'm not sure he's going to make any major impact. I think he's more of a throw him in there, kind of spell the other two guys, but I don't expect him to get more than three or four touches a game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, guys, let's get into our over-unders now. They're mostly going to focus on Virginia Tech on the offensive side of the ball because that seems to be where the most questions are, obviously. Uh, Let's start with points. Virginia Tech only able to muster a measly 10 points against Duke. Boys, Virginia Tech's offense over-under 10.5 points. I'm going to go over. Um, I... Miami's defense is good. I think Virginia Tech finds a way to manufacture some points in this football game. I think that 
you know, the defense could force a turnover of Miami here or there and set up, set themselves up with a short field. Maybe they punch it in for an extra touchdown that nobody's expecting. I'm going to go over. I think Virginia Tech scores in the teens here at the very least. Ricky? Uh, I'm going with the with the uh, under. I mean, if they can't score more than 10 points against Duke, I seriously doubt that they're going to find a way to score more than 10 points against Miami. Uh, Miami's defense is far better than Duke's, and this game is on the road, and there are injury questions at quarterback. So I'm going with the under. Uh, I'm going to take Mike's point here and go with the optimism. I think that you know, the, they played about as bad as they possibly could offensively against Duke. I I don't see a win. We'll get to that later. But I see slight improvement. I could be wrong depending on who the starting quarterback is. But for now, I won't know until 3.30 who that is. So I'll take the over for points for Virginia Tech. But speaking of not knowing who the quarterback's going to be, Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson combined pass attempts. We will set that at 10. Mike, what do you think? I'm going to go over because I think Hendon Hooker is a starting quarterback on Saturday, and if he's starting a quarterback, he's going to throw more than 10 passes, so I'm going to take the over. Ricky? I I, I mean, I haven't heard anything to the contrary, so I'm going to stick with uh, with Willis. Uh, and if he's, if he's in the game, then there's absolutely zero chance that Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson throw that many passes, so Agreed. I'm going with the under. Yep. Great. Uh, I will go with the under. because I, I kind of do think Willis is going to start just because there's been no announcement yet. Uh, VT offensive turnovers. We're going to set that at two and a half. Mike, what do you think? I'm going to go under. Um, I, while Miami's defense is good, I, I think Virginia Tech will, for the most part, take care of the football. I mean, you, you look at what happened a week ago against Duke. Turnovers weren't necessarily the issue. It was just getting out of their own way offensively. Third down was an issue. Um, first and second down were an issue primarily because third down got to be so bad. They were faced with a ton of third and long situations offensively, and that really is what sunk them against Duke. It wasn't necessarily the turnovers. This team's been prone to turnovers. Um, I, I think they need to turn that around at some point. I think this would be a good stepping stone if they're able to, to hold the turnovers down against a defense as good as Miami. So I'm going to go with a more optimistic approach here and, and go under two and a half. Uh, and Mike, to your point about first down, I read statistically uh, Virginia Tech is, I believe, the fourth worst team in the FBS in first down efficiency out of everyone. So – you're not wrong about that, buddy. Ricky, what do you think about the turnovers? Tech's probably going to turn the ball over twice in this game, uh, so I, I guess I go with the under. Um, there, I, although I do think it's it's somewhat likely that Virginia Tech has a turnover-laden affair as they, they juggle two to three quarterbacks and they face the best defense they've faced all year. Uh, I'm going to go with the over. They're the best defense they've played all year. This team has been very prone to it. and I think that that ultimately will be what sinks the ship. So, yeah, I think that uh, I'm going to take the over there. Uh, last one, uh, we talked about the weakness of this uh, freshman offensive line. Well, this is going to be by far the best defensive front that they've seen all year. Obviously, an experienced one in Duke last week. Now they're facing an experienced offensive line with a whole lot more talent on it we're setting the miami sack mark at three and a half over or under mike 
under. I think Miami's defense gets three sacks. I think they put a decent amount of pressure on Virginia Tech's quarterback, whoever that ends up being. But I think the offensive line plays well enough to not make this a complete shit show, for lack of a better term, there on the offensive line. And I, I think they hold off the Miami pass rush enough to keep it under three and a half. So I'm going to say maybe two, two or three sacks in this game for Miami, and we'll take the under. Four is a lot of sacks. So, what about you, Ricky? Mike, the shit show's coming, man. The the, the it's it's coming, and there's no way you're gonna stop it. Uh, I'm going with the over. Uh, this is just an awful, awful matchup at this point in the season. So, I'm I'm going with the over. Ricky, that I'm gonna have to tweet that quote. Mike, the shit show's coming. The shit show's coming. Dude, that's yeah. That, that, wow. dude, we've had some really what, good quotes what, what, so far what, in the pod, man. Yeah, that's the point that we've gotten to this year. <laughs> good God. Uh, yeah, but I agree. I, I also believe the shit show's coming. This is like a recipe for disaster. Uh, and I'll give one to Trayvon Hill too. I think Trayvon Hill gets at least one. All right, so now we're going to go into our ACC predictions as Andrew opens up the ACC schedule. And now we go to our ACC picks. Only four games this weekend in the Atlantic Coast Conference. First, we'll start out with Louisville. They'll host Boston College. Boston College 3-2 and two with the loss to Kansas. Yeah, I got to throw that in there to make sure everyone knows. But a win against Virginia Tech. And Louisville two and two on the year. Louisville a six point favorite at home. What do you guys think? Yeah, I like Louisville here to win. I, I think Boston College keeps it within a touchdown though. Um, Louisville's been a bit more consistent on both sides of the football to date. Um, Boston College's defense has not looked all that good, but their offense can score quite a bit. So I think if this gets into a little bit of a shootout, I do think BC can keep it within a touchdown or even win this football game. But I like the way Louisville has played um, on the season thus far. I think their offense has been very productive, and I don't trust the Boston College defense, so I think Louisville ultimately has enough in the tank offensively to get it done, but I think Boston College keeps this thing close. So BC with the points, but I like Louisville to win outright. Ricky, what are your thoughts? Yeah, six points is kind of a big spread for a team that's going through the transition that Louisville is going through to cover. Uh, BC is, is not a, a terrible team. Uh, so I'm going to go with, with, with Boston college with the points, but ultimately Louisville will win the game. Yeah, guys, I gotta be, I gotta say, I'm impressed with, uh, the resiliency of Boston college. They played a close one against wake last week. I, I'm going to take BC to cover. I'm going to take BC to cover. I don't know if they necessarily win, but I think they can keep it close. So, yeah, I'm going with the Boston College Eagles. Uh, now we go to Bobby Dodd Stadium in Atlanta. Georgia Tech at 1-3 on the year hosts Carolina. Carolina, a 10.5-point favorite on the road. I'll go first. I'm going Carolina. This Georgia Tech team is abysmal. Does anyone disagree? No, I don't. Now, North Carolina is one of those teams where, you know, they're coming off of a big game against Clemson where they nearly pulled the upset at home. So the only way that you're going to pick Georgia Tech to cover 10 and a half is if you think North Carolina is going to have this massive letdown, which is certainly possible given how close they came to 
to beating Clemson last week and how disappointing that loss was. But then when you consider how bad Georgia Tech is, they scored two points last week. They literally cannot move the football at all, really, up and down the field. The forward pass is their biggest opponent in this game, not the North Carolina defense. I like Georgia Tech in the future to make this thing a little bit more competitive, but not this year. Like North Carolina to win and cover here pretty easily. Um, I, I think North Carolina wins this game by 14 to 17 points. What do you think, Ricky? <laughs> well, it's just got to suck to be a Georgia Tech fan, man. I mean, you had Paul Johnson just tease you every year with the with the option, and now you're in just complete, like, NCAA, like, team builder mode where you're starting out from scratch and you're a cupcake. I mean, it, it, it's really unfortunate. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Carolina, too. Um, I, I've kind of thought that Georgia Tech was going to be better than I thought they would originally this year, but it just hasn't happened. Uh, Jeff Collins really has his work cut out for him. And uh, I mean, he's, he's starting from, from ground zero for sure. So Carolina will cover. Yeah. And Ricky, you couldn't have said it any better. What Jeff Collins has going for him though, is that at least everyone in that fan base and everyone in that administration, and for the most part, everyone on that team, while the older guys in the program probably aren't as happy with it, have to understand that i mean this is step one there there are zero expectations in atlanta right now jeff collins is coaching with zero burden because anyone in that program knows that he he's at he's doing the lord's work right now i mean it's kind of it's kind of a risk reward if you think about it and we'll talk about this more when we talk about georgia tech in a few weeks but the, just the location of georgia tech in atlanta they have so much potential from a recruiting standpoint that they just really haven't been able to cash in on in that triple option era, despite the fact that they did have some pretty good teams and obviously have produced a couple of good players. Calvin Johnson, surprisingly enough, was in that, was in that Paul Johnson offense at one point, but they adjusted a little bit for him, but I'm going to keep picking against Georgia tech all year. They only scored two points last week. I mean, come on, this this is an abysmal offense, Carolina. They'll be able to take advantage. I will go with, them to win and cover pretty pretty easily in my opinion all right last one before we get to the tech game this game actually is a game that i'm really curious about duke's gonna host pitt pitt at three and two with an upset win over ucf duke at three and one obviously just blew virginia tech out of the water at lane stadium in case you forgot (laughs) um duke's a four and a half point favorite at home what do you guys think I like Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh took Penn State to the brink a few weeks ago. They then followed that up by coming back and beating UCF at home. It didn't look great last week against Delaware. They did not have their starting quarterback, Kenny Pickett, play in that football game. I take Pittsburgh to win this game outright, assuming that Kenny Pickett is playing in this football game. If he's not and it's Nick Patty, that's a real name, by the way, Nick Patty. Um, I think that Duke wins this game if Patty plays. I think that Pittsburgh wins this game if Pickett plays because I like the way that Pickett has has thrown the ball really since the UVA game. Uh, He's put up at least 270 yards passing in each one of those football games since the opener against UVA when he started. Uh, He's been pretty good this year. The running game continues to improve, and Pittsburgh's defense is the best that it's been under Pat Narduzzi. So 
I like Pittsburgh to win this game outright, assuming that Kenny Pickett plays. I think it's my one upset pick of the weekend here. Five points is a lot for Duke. I mean, this is a pretty even game, I think, when you put the team side by side. And I think when you consider the game that Duke just played last week, they're in a bit of a letdown spot. I think that's a lot of points to cover, even at home. Ricky. Uh, I think Duke will win the game outright, but I don't think they're going to cover four and a half. Um, like Mike mentioned, both of these teams are pretty evenly matched. Uh, they both have some strengths and weaknesses. Um, I, I don't really see a, a clear difference between the two. So I'll take Duke uh, to, to win the game, but I don't think they're covering that spread. And I'm going to agree with you, Ricky. I, this game does it, – it's a really curious one for me because – you know, we're a quarter of the way through the season, and Quentin Harris has looked all right. I got to say, the numbers put him as a top 10 quarterback in terms of QBR. Obviously, he's not a top 10 quarterback overall, but with a second Power 5 conference opponent in a row, if he can, you know, dink and dunk his way down the field and mix in that running game, you know, maybe Duke's a team that we underestimated coming into the season. At the same time, if Pitt goes in there and blows him out of the water – then I don't think it's out of the question for people to be talking about Pitt as a contender to repeat as uh, HGC's coastal champions. And that wasn't a conversation people were having before the season started. So one of these teams is going to emerge as a potential dark horse. And if you're Duke coming out 2-0, you have to be happy about it. I'll take Duke to win Pitt to cover. Uh, lastly, of course, we have Virginia Tech Travels to Coral Gables. Obviously, we've talked about it at length. What has the spread gotten to at this point? I think it's 13 and a half. Yep. Uh, actually, now it's down to Miami minus 14. So Miami, a two touchdown favorite. Seven times two at home. Can Virginia Tech cover this spread, Mike? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this spread opened up at eight and a half for a reason and ballooned up to nearly a touchdown more than that now at 14. I think it opened at eight and a half for a reason. Miami has struggled to put teams away this year when they have won some of these games. Look, you look at the Central Michigan game is an excellent example. A couple of weeks ago, they win that game 17 to 12 as a four touchdown favorite. I think Virginia Tech is a better football team than Central Michigan, um, and, and this is a game that you know Central Michigan went on the road to Miami to to play that game. And Virginia Tech's going to go to Miami, and they're not going to be intimidated by the crowd. Like I don't really think a road game at Miami at three thirty on a Saturday when Virginia Tech is down and you know Miami's already lost a couple games is really going to be that intimidating of an atmosphere. I actually like Virginia Tech to cover here. I, I do think Miami wins. They're just in a little bit better spot as a program right now than Virginia Tech is. But I, I think Virginia Tech covers. There's a reason why this line was eight and a half. I keep coming back to that. It's now ballooned to 14. That is a ton of points, guys. And, like, I know Virginia Tech has looked really bad. I think the public's obviously overreacting a bit to, to how bad it looked last week for Virginia Tech. I think the Hokies have a chance to cover here. So I'm going to take them to cover. I think Miami wins this game pretty comfortably, though, by 10 to 13 points. Ricky, you said the shit show is coming and there's nothing Mike can do to stop it. Uh, does that apply to the 14-point spread as well? Yeah, it does. Tech, I think, is one of the one of four FBS teams that have yet to, to cover a spread so far this season. Um, that's not by accident. And, Mike, I know 14 points is a lot, but you know what else is a lot? 35. 35 points is a lot of points. 
I think Tech is really going to struggle in this game. Uh, I've lost all confidence in the team at this point. Um, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to pick against them really in, until further notice, uh, until they're able to show some semblance of unity, some semblance of resiliency, and, and, and show some, some backbone and some mental toughness. So Miami's going to cover this spread. It's not going to be pretty. Tech fans are going to want to turn this game off by the third quarter, I, I fear. Um, and we're going to have another uh, shit show pod next week. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't think I just don't think Miami's good enough to blow anybody out right now. But Duke we'll isn't good enough to blow anybody out. I mean, they have three blowouts on their schedule so far. Yeah, but they played teams like North Carolina A and T. Miami played Central Michigan as a four touchdown favorite in home and won I understand, by five but points. the Hurricanes are not gonna get jazzed about playing the Chippewa. I'm just the Hurricanes I'm just are gonna get jazzed about punching Virginia Tech in the mouth. I'm just saying. I mean, it's it's a big prove it game for both teams. And you know, Miami is sitting at two and two as well. And that's why this one's such a tough one for me to pick. I hear both of your points loud and clear. And Miami hasn't been a team that's impressed me at all. Don't do it, Andrew. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. Oh God, I know. But I'm actually like I'm truly making my pick on the spot. I'm I'm thinking out loud here. But Virginia Tech hasn't impressed me either. They didn't impress me when they were healthy, and they're certainly not going to impress me against a team that can expose all of their weaknesses offensively. I'm going to go with Miami to cover. I just, I just gotta. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. And but if you're, I mean, if you're picking this game right now, it, it's just not. It does not seem like there's many routes to a Virginia Tech victory in any sort. And it seems like there's a lot of routes to a Miami blowout. And I'm talking about short field positions, turnovers. It's, it's just, yeah, my, I think Miami's going to blow them out of the water. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I think Virginia Tech is going to set up an opportunity for a week against Rhode Island and then a bye week and then a real game against North Carolina where there's going to be a lot of eyes on Justin Fuente. Of, is he going to be able to pick up any wins in the ACC outside of maybe Georgia Tech? And, and that'll be number one. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Hokies to lose by more than two touchdowns. That's going to do it for this very optimistic Hokey Hangover podcast. If you <laughs> like what you're listening to, please subscribe. Please subscribe. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Alex Radio. That's Andrew A L I X Radio. You can follow Mike at Mike McDaniel CFB. You can follow Ricky at Ricky LeBlu. And we are all on the internet in other ways, shapes, and forms. Uh, Otherwise, please subscribe. Please rate and leave a review. Uh, and, and more importantly, tell your friends. If you really like what you're listening to, share it on Twitter, man. We're trying to get this out of here. We've had a decent amount of momentum through just a few episodes, just a month together. It, it feels like it's been longer than that at this point just because of all of the twists and turns that this season has taken thus far. And I'm sure there will be plenty more to come, and we will be alongside you for all of it trying to answer these unanswerable questions surrounding this Virginia Tech football program and at times the ACC as a whole. So we will catch up with you guys after the Miami game, probably try to record on Monday or until then, go home.